Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. TGIF, I'm Dan Day. I know it's a rainy Friday and probably going to be a rainy weekend in South Florida, but sometimes... Wet weekends in this area are the best. You don't have to feel forced to run out to the beach or across town to run errands, do chores. You can just sit back, relax, and enjoy the Canes and Dolphin games. And you can do exactly that all weekend long because we'll be covering both of them here on 560 The Joe WQAM. But right now, you are listening to Headlines. Antonio Brown has been declared eligible to play this Sunday in the Patriots-Dolphins game. Kickoff is at 1, and as I just mentioned, listen to it here on a 560 The Joe. Defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick was asked for and got permission to seek a trade from the Dolphins. No word on possible suitors. The Marlins look to end a four-game losing skid tonight in San Francisco when they play the Giants at 10:15. The Canes continue preparations for tomorrow's home opener against Bethune-Cookman. Kickoff is at 4, and once again, listen to it here on 560 The Joe. The ACC has released next season's basketball schedule. The Canes open play against Louisville November 5th in Miami. Other big home games include Duke January 4th, Florida State January 18th, and defending national champions Virginia on March 4th. The Florida Panthers have opened training camp. Their first preseason game happens to be Monday in Nashville versus the Predators. Miami-based porn business Bang Bros has submitted a $10 million naming right bid for the Heat's home arena. Not sure if this belongs in headlines or the day spa. Let's make it official nonetheless and take a step into the day spa. During a traffic stop in Utah, authorities found meth in the back of a lady's car. The woman went on to lie and claim to be her daughter in order to get out of the arrest. Didn't work with the cops, but it did with me. She's my hot mess of the day. Check her out on my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio. A New Zealand advertising exec facing the possibility of being fired decided to hire a professional clown for emotional support in the meeting to mime crying and make animal balloons. Good thing he did. The exec was fired. Now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for rain with temperatures in the low 80s. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Ah, the beginnings of football season. At this point, can you just not get enough football? That's what I thought. And that's why earlier today, Joe Rose and the guys caught up with NFL expert Mike Florio talking, trust the process. Minka Fitz permission, Odell Beckham Jr. better than Greg Williams, old school brutality in the NFL, and Cam not Newton. 
Hey, Mike, you really want to guess how we're doing down here right now? I mean, 59 <laughs> to hey, 10. Hey, wait. It look, I trust the process, guys. Trust the process. What is so the process? It's all, the process is take a step back, take your lumps, uh, embrace the suck, and uh, it'll all work out in the end. You'll draft Dan Marino next year. What do you think of uh, Minka Fitzpatrick uh, now receiving permission to seek a trade? Well, it tells me he was one of the guys who was livid after the week one loss to the Ravens and who, uh, among other players, instructed their agents, get me the hell out of here. I don't want to be part of this. You know, you can't do the, the full season NBA tank in the NFL. It doesn't work right. because guys still have to go out Play. Right, I agree. and and you know it's and I've I've been an advocate for years that when you get to the end of the season, if you're out of the playoffs, let's do between five and eleven, four and twelve, three and thirteen. Put your young players out there under the guise of seeing what they have, and if you lose, great because we draft higher. But doing it from week one, that's never going to work. And this is the first the first real test of that strategy in the NFL. And I think this is going to prove to every franchise it's never going to work because you're going to have guys who are in that locker room who know they're probably not going to be there when the process does yield results. And I think Xavier Howard is the only guy who has a guaranteed spot beyond this year. And, uh, and, and it's going to create a lot of acrimony, a lot of frustration, and situations like this where guy who, who isn't even eligible for a new contract for, for another season and 15 games right. wanting out of Miami and getting permission to seek a trade. I, I guess the other part of this is, do you, you think the the whole organization from owner down was in on this or they've even taken it farther than the owner thought they would as far as stripping this thing down? It begins with Stephen Ross, who has not been as discreet as he should be when talking to others about what the plan is. Let's just leave it at that. You know, when, when you give the director, this is the way it's going to be. If Brian Flores wants to be there over the long haul, if Chris Greer wants to be over there over the long haul, you do what the boss wants. And of course, Brian Flores isn't going to admit it. You know, I've, I've made this comment several times over the past couple of weeks. It's like Fight Club. First rule of Tank Club is you don't talk about Tank Club. <laughs> and you just go out and you do it. But the trade of Larry Tunsil and Kenny Stills underscored the direction this thing was heading. And uh, 59 to 10, yeah, it's the Ravens, right? I mean, I'm, no, no disrespect to the Ravens, but it's 59 to 10. And, and here come the Patriots. And, uh, you know, it, it, just, it just feels like that's where this is going. And perception is reality in a situation like this. And, and we're going to find out quickly it just doesn't work in football. Mike, speaking of the Patriots, Antonio Brown practicing this week or at least out there with them. Do you expect him to play on Sunday or do you think the NFL jumps in before that? Well, I, I think that there's a way that the NFL can jump in without directly jumping in. They could nudge the Patriots to not play him. You know, last year when the Patriots picked up Josh Gordon in a trade with the Browns after week two, the the Patriots didn't play him right away. Uh, you could say Antonio Brown needs time to get ready, and then it gives the NFL time to interview Brittany Taylor, the accuser in the lawsuit that was filed against Antonio Brown. And Because if you put him on the commissioner list now, before you've talked to her, what happens if you talk to her and you realize she's not very credible and you wouldn't have put him on the commissioner list based upon whatever story she tells when they talk to her next week? It's kind of hard to take back paid leave. Once he's on it, he's on it until the process ends. So I, I think that I, I will not be surprised if he doesn't play and they say he's not playing because they just want to give him more time to learn the offense and get acclimated. He's been through a lot over the past couple of weeks. And, and how can anyone be expected to digest all this under these circumstances and be ready to go? So my guess is that's what happened. All right. And Odell Beckham Jr. giving us plenty to talk about from uh, where he's going to 
whether or not he's going to wear his watch. But but the other thing is that this is not good. I mean, he comes out and says, yeah, I found out from these guys I play with, Greg Williams. Now the Jets' defensive coordinator wanted told those guys to take cheap shots at me and knock me out of the game. NFL's got to take a look at this. This is not the first time around for Greg Williams, correct? Well, no, and Greg Williams was in the middle of that bounty scandal back in 2012 with the Saints. He was suspended for the full season. I was surprised he ever got back in the NFL because on top of everything else, he submitted an affidavit to the NFL when they were trying to suspend various Saints players saying that Jonathan Vilma did indeed offer $10,000 to anyone who incapacitated Brett Favre in the NFC Championship game in 2009. So, look, this has been part of Greg Williams' coaching philosophy. And even if you can't offer a guy 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, 10000 bucks, whatever, you can still tell him, this is what helps us win. And, and this is a weird disconnect for the NFL because it really is part of football. To try to render your opponent unable right. to continue has always been True. part of football. There's a strategic advantage. The Jets aren't going to have Sam Donald on Monday night. He's got mono. That helps the Browns. And if Le'Veon Bell can't play because of his shoulder, although it looks like he will be able to play, that helps the Browns. If the Browns' defense tests that shoulder, that's code word for target the shoulder to knock him out of the game, that helps the Browns. So, you know, that is part of the game. I don't know why you would do it in a preseason game. Why would you go after Odell Beckham Jr. when he's not even on your regular season schedule? But but still, that's Greg Williams. It doesn't surprise me. And and my concern, you know, will the NFL do anything about it? I don't know. I've asked them. Sometimes they answer me. Sometimes they don't. But from Odell Beckham Jr.'s standpoint, why are you making this an issue three days before you play the Jets? Do you really think it's going to keep Greg Williams from sending guys after you? Or do you think it's going to make him do it even harder? And I think that that that's what it's going to do. He's going to be more determined to send guys after Odo Beckham Jr. for saying what he said. And it'll be interesting to see what Greg Williams has to say to the media when he speaks today. But, you know, it's, it's part of the sport. I'm not saying that makes it right. It creates another layer of intrigue for a Monday night football game that, that, that I think is, is sneaky one of the great games of the weekend. You don't think there's going to be more eyes from the uh, NFL offices on that game looking for stuff like that? But but if it's a clean legal hit, see, that's the thing. You know, if it's a clean legal hit, then what can you do about it? And as long as it is within the rules, and, 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 and see, that's the thing. The NFL would rather not anyone have these discussions because this is the kind of thing that scares mom and dad away from letting Jimmy and Johnny play football. <laughs> but, but when you talk about within the limits of the rules, using maximum violence, physicality, and aggression to cause the other player to physically be unable to play, that gets people upset. But that's part of football. Joe, you know that. It's always been part of football. Right. I agree. Totally. Matter of fact, we are talking about, I remember growing up watching Lynn Swan run across the middle and the ball wasn't even thrown to him and watching one of those Raider safeties like clothesline the guy and knock him out of the game. And you're like, you didn't even throw it. I know, but he was out here. I had to intimidate him. I'm, geez. Yeah, so that is part of the deal. Hey, by the way. Go back and, I, there are plenty of games on YouTube from the 80s, right. the 70s, the 90s. Go back and watch some of those games. The level of of raw brutality, it's shocking in comparison to today's game. But there's still a way to legally play the game with the intent that you're going to hit that other guy so hard he's not going to be able to continue. Hey, uh, I always think of this with you, with that the Antonio Brown sexual assault. Can you just imagine when that hit and Roger Goodell had to deal with that? I, I wish I could have when he called all his troops in with him. Like, oh, God, here we go again. I just haven't done well with this. Every time I, I – right? I mean, he, he's on the hot seat again a little bit on this one and how, we, how it plays out or no. We're five years removed from Ray Rice, which caused the NFL to push the pendulum very strongly in the direction of – 
essentially shoot first and ask questions later when it comes to player discipline, that he was never going to fail to discipline enough a player who did something he shouldn't have done. If he's going to be guilty of anything, it's going to be, I suspended a guy too many games. I acted too aggressively against this player because you're not going to get the public backlash if you're too aggressive in your suspensions. Now, after the ratings dropped in 2016 and then even farther in 2017 and the kerfuffle with Jerry Jones over Ezekiel Elliott, I feel like that pendulum's gone back the other way where they are trying not to go out of their way to suspend guys who haven't been arrested, who haven't been charged. And now, here we are with Antonio Brown. What do you do? How do you handle this? How do you properly navigate these waters when there hasn't been an arrest? There hasn't been a criminal charge. There may never be one. I, I, it, it's a tough spot for the commissioner. And, and they recognize the value of letting their players play. Get great players on the field. That makes the game more compelling. They did that with Tyreek Hill. They didn't find a reason to suspend him, even though if they really wanted to, they could have. And it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what they do with Antonio Brown. But they also got to be frustrated. This guy's hovering over the entire 100 season of the NFL. And I think it's good for business to a certain extent, but once it crosses over into this territory, it becomes bad yeah. for business. Mike, let's go cross-country real quick. I, I feel like it was a recurring question between me and you for a couple of weeks in preseason, but the Melvin Gordon stuff, he got terrible advice, right? Because now Eckler's out there yeah. playing well. This was the worst advice any agent could have given his guy, considering what they had as a backup and how good he played in week one. Yeah, and he was never going to get his long-term contract. And what he ultimately has decided to do is take less money for this year and play in fewer games to reduce the potential for injury so he's healthy when he becomes a free agent. He'll show up around week six or week seven. There's a deadline that you have to get on the team by and play or at least be on the roster for a certain number of regular season games to get credit for this year of your contract. He's already got his four years for free agency. He needs to finish his Chargers contract. You can't sit out the whole year and finish your contract. That's where people get this twisted up when they compare it to Le'Veon Bell. He wasn't under contract. He got to free agency through a different mechanism by sitting out the whole year. Melvin Gordon's got to show up. He will eventually, but he's given up $330,000 a week, and he's consciously doing that to limit the number of reps that he takes so he can get paid in free agency. I think it's a mistake. He's never going to get big money in free agency, and the money he's giving up now at, at a clip of three hundred thirty grand a week is never coming back. Ouch. Yeah, that's right. Mike, real quick before we let you go, I just saw the list uh, come out about an hour ago or 40 minutes ago of the 100-plus guys for the uh, year 100 of the Hall of Fame and all the guys on that list. What would you think? And Any shoe-ins there and any guys you're laughing at that are on that list at this point? I haven't really looked at the list. I mean, they put these things out during football season. we got eight <laughs> months with nothing going on. Right, what the right. hell are they doing, right? <laughs> Let's do this stuff at a time when we don't yeah. have a bunch of things we want to talk about and right. focus on. And Thursday yeah. night football, that game last night, my God, something's wrong with Cam Newton. Yeah, right. Yeah, his arm can't run, taking completely out of the play. Yeah, that that's one that uh, the coach will be – He'll be answering that one uh, for a while for sure. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The one guy that hasn't gotten the criticism for last night should, and I don't think Troy Aikman was ever going to criticize him because of their friendship dating back to their time together in Dallas. North Turner called an abysmal game. They were in desperation mode. They were throwing the ball in the third and fourth quarter when they were still very much alive to win the game. And then they run that stupid fake Philly special at the end of the game to the short side of the field. North Turner deserves a ton of criticism for what happened last night. I'll tell you one thing. Cam doesn't look close to the Cam that used to whip the ball around, and he was a big, strong guy, and, and obviously he's not healthy, right? Is that fair to say? I mean, he's- I don't know if it's that he's not healthy. I think they're so fearful of him getting injured again. I think that's what it is. 
he's healthy and they want to keep him healthy. And they've heard the criticism for years that you can't treat this guy like he's indestructible. But that doesn't mean you abandon the opportunity to win a football game by just telling him, go up the middle. You can fall forward and score right, a touchdown right. in that spot. At least get a That's yard. Yeah. Amazing to me. Yeah. yeah, fourth yeah. And, fourth and inches with Cam Newton, and you're running around the edge. Yeah, that just doesn't fall make sense. Down. Right, right. <laughs> Take the snap and fall down, and you get the first down. All right, Mike, thanks as always, buddy. Thanks, we'll Mike. you next week. All right. Already a bunch of surprises in this early football season, and hopefully this weekend one big surprise when the Dolphins take on the Patriots. Why did everybody get quiet all of a sudden? Nonetheless, if you want to download the Joe Rose Show podcast or any of the podcasts from any of the shows in this radio station, it's simple and it's free. Radio.com app, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts, or go to our website, wqam.com. Up next for absolutely free, Dan Levitard and the guy is going to be sharing with us who they believe some of the greatest college quarterbacks are. It's the Best of the Joe Show. It's the Best of the Joe Show. Have you made it unscathed so far through this Friday the 13th? Did you not even think about it until I just told you and now it's jinx? Oh, sorry about that. Dan Levitard and the guys, they weren't jinxed earlier today. They were bringing the heat from 10 to 1, talking about their top 25 college QBs. They also talked with my man and LSU, LSU alumni Booger McFarlane. They debated the legitimacy of that top 25. Last night's football game, the AB situation, and then they had kind of a bad phone line issue. So Stugatz, Dan, the rest of the guys, they talked about bad ball spotting and cam accountability. Rest in peace, Eddie Money. Uh, Booger McFarland joins us now, but we promise you this damn list of 25 best quarterbacks that Mike Ryan has ever seen in college. So just let's give Booger the list and see what his reaction is at the end. Number 25, Mike. Number 25 is Derek, no, David Carr. Number 24, we're off to a strong yeah. start. Strong, strong start. Number, D. Carr there. Yeah, yeah D. Carr. Yeah. Number 24 is Danny Werfel. Oh, too low. Wow. 23. You have 20... to keep in mind, I'm 33 years old. These are the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. 23. Right. 23 is Lamar Jackson. 22. Colin Kaepernick. 21. This is very hard to do at the same time. Jason White. 20. Pat White. 19. I'm going to stop doing that. Someone else do that for me. Robert Griffin III. RG3. Yeah. Number 18. Dennis Dixon. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Conversation piece. 17. Philip Rivers. 16. Ben Roethlisberger. 15. Uh, Drew Brees. 14. Charlie Ward. 13. Kyler Murray. 12. Baker Mayfield. 11. Ken Dorsey. 10. Peyton Manning. 9. Andrew Luck. 8. Johnny Manziel. 7. Cam Newton. 6. Mike Vick. 5. Vince Young. 4. Deshaun Watson. 3. James Winston. 2. Tommy Frazier. 1. Tim Tebow. Oh, wow. Booger McFarlane with us now on ESPN Radio. Booger, what do you think of that list? Thank you for joining us, sir. (laughs) I can retain all that. Well, I'm, I'm first of all glad to be on with you guys. You got about three or four Heisman Trophy winners in your uh, bottom five. I, I don't see how you could do that, Mike Ryan. What do you mean in the bottom five? What are the Heisman yeah, Trophy Danny winners? Danny Werfel, you put yeah. Danny Werfel in yeah. your. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't mean he was better than. I think Dennis Dixon would have won a Heisman Trophy had he maintained his health. Man, come on, Mike Ryan. You, you listen. You're losing all your credibility. Are you kidding me? Danny Werfel <laughs> used to shred 
straight up to LSU, and you got him like what twenty to twenty five. Come on, sounds man. like you're applying your bias. In fact, I should feel <laughs> like Mikey I, played against them. I should be applauded for my lack of bias because I only had one Miami Hurricane on this list. You know how hard it was to have Warfel and Tebow on this list. Well, you lose all credibility by the fact that you have Tim Tebow number one, and and you know Tebow did a lot of things in the speech and everything. I get it, but if you're telling me Tim Tebow is the greatest quarterback that you ever saw. You didn't watch much TV coming up. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I lose all my credibility. You know who else loses credibility? The sporting news, because we agree on this. Would you? Is Booger McFarland saying that the sporting news has no credibility? Are you saying that, sir? Uh-oh. Yes, I just said it. <laughs> there it is. Tebow's not in your top ten, though. I mean, he's number two on my list. Where is Tebow on your list, Booger? Tebow is in between five and ten. Uh, what he did. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What he did at the University of Florida was outstanding. Like you guys didn't even have any any Jamel Holloways or Tommy Frazier's before his time. Uh, Are you I, kidding me? I didn't have any Tommy Frazier's booger. Again, you lose all credibility. Tommy Frazier was number two on my list, sir. Uh, I missed that. Bad connection. <laughs> Jamel Holloway is a little before his time. Uh, what you saw last night, Booger, uh, what the hell was that? That was terrible. All of it. That was Thursday night football. That was two quarterbacks that uh, one, I think, is hurting Cam Newton, and the other, Jameis Winston, is just on a roller coaster ride up and down, up and down. Last night he was a little bit up. Carolina's in trouble because Cam Newton is not running the football. He doesn't look healthy. And even when he has time in the pocket, he's not throwing the football accurately. Uh, they've lost two games at home, and I think they're in serious trouble right now. And we've only played two games to begin the season. What does Booger McFarland say about the Antonio Brown situation? Not uh, not just the most recent sexual assault uh, allegation. Before you answer that, Schefter just tweeted out, the NFL will not place Antonio Brown on the commissioner-exempt list uh, as there is no criminal investigation. At least for this week, he is eligible to play. Is that the right call, Booger? Evidently, they have evidence that says it's the right call. I, I'm sure they've investigated and they talked to people. I know they hadn't talked to the young lady yet. But evidently, they are doing some due diligence, and based on what they found out, that's the right call. My whole take on the Antonio Brown thing, Dan, is this. Man, I'm tired of talking about the dude, man. Like, I get it. He's a top-five wide receiver in the National Football League. But at some point, you lose all credibility and all accountability with not only football analysts but football fans. I watch guys play at a high level, and there are too many guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones that go out and are the cream of the crop and they do things the right way. Yet yeah, still, all Antonio Brown does is draw... The thing about that, and we will get that phone line fixed in a second. Uh, the thing about that that I try to remind people of is that Antonio Brown has not played a game in all the time that Antonio Brown has become the model for uh, bad behavior and doing things the wrong way. I don't think anybody week 15 of last year would have alleged to you that Antonio Brown was somebody who did things the wrong way. Week 15 of last year, before the last game. Right. Uh, no, I think a lot of people would have said, works really hard. They still say that of him. Works really hard. Best wide receiver of this generation. Um, works. It sets a good example because he worked so hard with the teammates. He did have that one incident where he was taping something that Mike Tomlin asked him not to tape. Right, but before the last game of the season, his name was in good standing. Booger, anyways, continue with your thought, please. You were saying Julio Jones... Uh, and DeAndre Hopkins do things the right way. Yeah, both guys Dan, do things the right way. You don't ever have to worry about them. And there are two of the top five wide receivers in the National Football League. Theo Brown brings a lot of this attention on himself. Now, this latest incident 
and him being accused of sexual assault. All right, we got to yeah. do something different here, Mike. Let's go to break and see if we can figure that out. We can't have the phone line. I can give you a 30 through 40. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, thank you. I have my top 10. I mean, oh, you do? Yeah, I do. Oh, I can't wait. You want it? No. Oh. Mark Schlereth has gone to Twitter, and he is calling us out. Hey, Lebitard Show, remember how you made fun of me for a week straight for my Man 101 on how Antonio Brown arrived at camp? I accept your silent apologies. You're welcome. I don't think this accusation is the one to be taking the victory lap on. Uh, Billy, what is it? Uh, what is it that I heard you saying about uh, the ball spotting uh, last night? The old guy referees sort of arbitrarily putting the ball where they thought it might be in a game uh, that was decided by inches several times over on like three or four different plays. That's what you heard me saying. It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Like the ball was down. And then one ref moved it like six inches forward, which is already kind of like, why are you moving the ball? Like he didn't even he wasn't handed the ball. He picked it up off the ground and moved it forward six inches for absolutely no reason. <laughs> then he tossed it to his friend, and his friend moved it up like another foot and a half. <laughs> How is this happening? Like, why are these people getting injured for this? Well, before he placed it down for the official spot, he accidentally dropped it and then tossed yes. it to the, the other referee who then placed the ball where... He accidentally dropped it. They all got very confused. And you can see how that could happen. I mean, we have old people out there deciding these things. I don't think young people would do a whole lot better. I know that we like to smear them as old people deciding it, but I think old, old people, young people, I think it's just funny, the idea. Fourth and inches. How do you know? We don't. Well, and half the time there's 50 people on top of each other, and you're just guessing where the ball is, and you're just trusting that the person at the bottom keeps the ball in the same spot the entire time. You know what? As much as we've made fun of this over the years, I do want to say that rarely is it egregious. Like, rarely is it as egregious as it was last night. That seems to be a pretty hard thing to do. Would you not agree? They get it right an awful lot. Or they get it they get it close enough to right that no one who's watching is objecting. But if you didn't think that watching Carolina-Tampa under any circumstances at any time in history would be constipated, <laughs> throw in a Thursday night football on short rest, throw in an injured Cam Newton, throw in... A lightning storm that made, I'm sure, much of the audience go away and never come back. And then on top of all that, because it was bad football, Stugatz. Like that was, that was no, that was not pleasant to watch. Mm -hmm. I don't think, do you think anybody found that pleasant to watch? Uh, anyone who had Tampa. I mean, this is a second straight week where Carolina has been pretty abysmal to watch. I don't even know how much we can put it on Thursday night football, considering they had plenty of rest going into week one and they were terrible. On top of that, though, we're doing the measurements this way and the camera angles last night. Did anyone explain that? Because I got frustrated in the first part of the game. They only had two kinds of camera angles. I've told you before that one of the amazing things about televised football is that you have no idea how hard it is to get all those camera shots right so that no one's disoriented. I didn't hear yet an explanation for why. Did the lightning take yes. out uh, some cameras? Is that what happened? They had to take some cameras down and move them out of position because they were in peril because they were lightning rods. But how, yeah. how, how disorienting was it to watch? Uh, because one of the only camera angles working was the wet camera that flies over the field. How disorienting was it to you guys to see the ball snapped and all of a sudden – 
the only angle we have is from the back of uh, you see how the play develops because you're watching from a different angle than you're ever used I to watching. I loved that. Yeah. I didn't know about it being because of lightning. I thought it, they were just trying a new sure. thing. I love that end zone angle because like, as the ball's hiked, you can see the receivers, like who's open. I actually like really enjoyed that angle. On the touchdown pass to Godwin from Jameis Winston, it was perfect because you saw the the initial look he wanted was not there. Godwin was wide open. You saw it all develop, and Jameis just stepped up and threw okay, it to him. Okay, but let's let I want to marvel about this ju- this particular juxtaposition. I want you guys to absorb the fact that in that billion-dollar sport, we still have the old guys trying to figure out where the measurements are. And there was a panicked cameraman last night. That can't be easy to do with the flying camera. Like, he kept you engaged enough that Chris thought it wasn't a mistake or that Lightning hadn't taken stuff out. Chris thought, oh, it's cool what they're doing. It's spaceshipy. It's a new angle. How panicked was that guy? Wait a minute. I got to do the whole game? Usually I'm just the guy who rolls that camera in on kickoffs in a cool way. You want me to do the whole game from back here? All right. We're down to one camera. We're gonna, It's all on you, buddy. All on you. All right. Set, hut. Allison, can you find that person? Can we find that person and see how panicked the, he or she was when uh, when he or she realized, oh, wait, I'm going to have to do much of the game from back here, and it's not that easy to do with my flying camera. Again, I want you to absorb. The refs can't mark the ball accurately, but we got a flying saucer drone uh, televising our entire Thursday night football experience. Yeah, and I don't know how much they were planning on going to that. I know last year they were experimenting with that camera view a lot to try to distinguish it as its own unique property because to get people more into what they're doing and make Thursday night football stand out and maybe the weather just forced their hand a bit more. You think that he was panicked? I th- he or she, I should say. I think that the camera person's like, "This is my moment. Yep. Big this opportunity. is what I've yep. trained my life for. Yep. If this goes well, I'm going to be the camera every game. Did no. it go well enough? Is it going to be the camera every game? No. Uh, no, but it is an angle they should be using more because it's an incredibly cool angle. Uh, I think Chris is right. I did enjoy watching to see when the corners were open because I had an, an idea, a better idea of the spatial. Uh, Yeah, I love being able to see exactly how bad Cam Newton's going to overthrow an open receiver outside the numbers. (laughs) I mean, we keep making excuses for the guy, but he had windows, guys. He's not good at throwing the ball deep accurately. This is a thing. And we're just like, ah, he's hurt. It's everybody else's fault. How about some accountability here, folks? How much? What's the correct percentage of accountability that you would like? Well, most accountability for that outfit post game. I think we can all agree this is the more troubling thing when it comes to Cam Newton, the fashion. I like you it. can't be dressing like that when you're losing that badly. I defy you, okay? The Panthers have lost both home games. It's a disastrous start to their season. When you say more accountability from Cam Newton, I uh, dare you right now to blame that Carolina loss on anyone else who played for the Carolina Panthers. Give me a name other than Cam Newton as you ask for accountability and everyone today Ooh, blamed. the left tackle. <laughs> yep. He was terrible. <laughs> After that stinker of a throw show last night, everyone seems to have an opinion on Cam Newton, and you know Stephen A. Smith never shies away from his opinions. He's next on the Best of the Joe Show. You're listening to the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day, and you are listening to one of my all-time favorite bands, The Code Hangers, who are actually going to be performing here in Miami this coming Wednesday at Gramps in Wynwood, so you know where I'm going to be once I finish up with the Best of the Joe Show on Wednesday. Also kind of a preview of something we're going to be doing new here on the Best of the Joe Show on Monday, but... 
You're just going to have to wait till Monday to find out about that. You're not going to have to wait long if you want to hear what Stephen A. Smith has to say about what Cam Newton did last night. Also, his beliefs on quarterbacks. You just got to be able to throw the quarterback, quarterback, throw the football. And he's got a story about Dan Marito eating everybody's lunch. Cam Newton is not finished. Let me say it again. Cam Newton is not finished. But damn, does it look that way? Looks like he's inching close to that. Carolina Panthers lost another game last night. Cam Newton, 24 of 50, 324 yards. That's a less than 50% completion percentage. Finished with a quarterback rating of 69 for the evening. He was not that impressive at all. Matter of fact, he got outplayed by Jameis Winston, who completed 16 to 25 passes for just 208 yards. The fact of the matter is, is that we can sit up here and we can point to the last play with a little over a minute left on a fourth and one spot instead of giving the ball to Cam Newton to run the football or trying to run some kind of quarterback sneak or something along those lines. Instead, what we witnessed was Ron Rivera and North Turner basically call some kind of ghost sweep for Christian McCaffrey. Didn't work out. He gets stopped. Tampa survives. They beat the Carolina Panthers last night. 20 to 14 at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Tampa Bay's one and one on the season. Carolina's 0 and 2 on the season. Most teams who start off 0 and 2 don't make the playoffs. And obviously, Ron Rivera and the Carolina Panthers are in a world of trouble. Cam Newton spoke after the game and John, we have that sound for Cam Newton, right? Cam Newton speaking after the game. Talking about himself, talking about the loss, talking about his level of culpability, etc. Here is what Cam Newton had to say. You're not going to hear no type of reasons why tonight didn't go as planned. I have to be better. No matter what physical condition I'm in, no matter what foot, shoulder, I ain't get the job done tonight, man, and it's and it's frustrating. I wish I could say something other than that, but you know that's that's the facts. And you know I'm a I'm a I'm an extremely brutally honest person, you know, with people, and I'm extremely brutally honest with myself. And I got it's time for me to look myself in the mirror and you know do some real soul searching because I had opportunities tonight and um, I didn't get it done. I respect the hell out of Cam Newton for voicing his. Uh, 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 Sentiments about himself the way that he did. That's a man there. That's a young man there. Um, but let me be very clear. Everybody's alarmed by what they're seeing from Cam, and they're talking about he must be injured, must be a foot. But I don't want to hear all of that. And I'm going to tell you why I don't want to hear all of that. Cam Newton, when healthy, is a superstar athlete. Cam Newton, when healthy, is a superstar NFL player. He has never been a superstar quarterback. Never. Now, I'm going to say this because I want everybody to understand where I'm coming from. Accuracy, throwing the football, is the number one quality I am looking for from a quarterback. You got people that's going to sit up there and say, it's about moving the chain, Stephen A. It don't matter how you do it. Damn it, Stephen A. It's about scoring. It's about putting points up on the board. It don't matter how you do it. Well, guess what? Then why ain't Tim Tebow still a quarterback in the National Football League? Why is it that when Lamar Jackson lost to the Los Angeles Chargers in the divisional playoff game last year, we all had a conniption? 
when he only completed three three passes for 25 yards through the first three quarters and two minutes of a playoff game. Ladies and gentlemen, throwing the football is the number one requirement of a damn quarterback. I'm sick and tired of people acting like they don't know that. I don't care. Listen, I understand if you can run the football, that makes you a dual threat. Michael Vick was special. Lamar Jackson is special. I got that. I got it. I understand there are other components to the quarterback position. Your intellect, your football IQ, your ability to read defenses, to anticipate, to see what's coming. I always am popular for pointing out how my man, Hugh Douglas, who used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, who used to work here at ESPN, now doing a great job in Atlanta on radio last time I checked, that Hugh Douglas once told me a story about how disheartened he was because he was going up against the Miami Dolphins and they went up to the line of scrimmage and Dan Marino looked over the line of scrimmage and literally before he called the play, told his team every single thing everybody was trying to do before he called the snap. He knew everything. He talked about the brilliance of Dan Marino. And they were like how demoralizing it was because you're trying to engage in trickery and you're trying to outsmart people, not just outmuscle them, not just outskill them, but outsmart them. And nobody was outsmarting Dan Marino. We raved and raved and raved about the quick release and the strong arm and the ability to make throws from anywhere and how he could have run faster than a snail for crying out loud. He was clearly a pocket passer. So what made him so great? His ability to run the football, I'm sorry, to throw the football, and his ability to read defenses while doing so. Ladies and gentlemen, throwing the damn football matters at the quarterback spot. You can go to George Blanker, you can go to Johnny Unitas, you can go to Roger Starbuck and Terry Bradshaw, you can go to Joe Montana and Steve Young, a Troy Aikman, you can go to Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you can go back to Warren Moon, I don't give a damn who it is. If you're playing a quarterback position, you gotta be able to throw the football. There's a reason Randall Cunningham ain't in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying he couldn't throw, but not like those guys. He was no John Elway. He was no Brett Favre. All of these quarterbacks that I'm mentioning, you gotta be able to throw the football. And when have we ever said Cam Newton is an exceptional thrower of the football? I mean, no disrespect. I'm fond of Cam as a person as well as a player. I don't like that damn outfit he had on, and I certainly don't like that ridiculous hairdo. Hell no. But I respect the hell out of him. And I root for him all the time. You can't be a brother and don't root for Cam Newton. That's just impossible to me. But we got to call it like we see it. He has never ever been accused of being an elite thrower of the football. The time has come for us to call it like it is. Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, came into the league, first year in the league, threw for over 4,000 yards. Ladies and gentlemen, he completed 60% of his passes. He spent the next seven years pretty much not touching that stat. The next seven years. This Cam Newton we talking about here. If we're going to be real, let's be real about it. It's, it's, it's got to stop. This love affair with people where we're just going to ignore facts, pimp slapping us in the face. Cam Newton, as a player, his first seven years in the league, 60, 57.7, 61.7, 58.5, 59.8, 52.9, 59.9. 
Those were his completion percentages throughout his years as a National Football League quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Now, granted, Calvin Benjamin, Funches, and others, he ain't exactly have the most elite dudes to throw the football to. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I'm saying exercise the eye test. We know throwers when we see him. He's never been one of them. Last year, 67.9%. Best year ever completing the football in the 14 games that he played, even though he was never the same after getting hurt by Pittsburgh and TJ Watt when it got blown out 52 to like 21 or something in November. Bottom line is, no matter which way you slice it, when you look at Cam Newton, the reality is inescapable. He's not a great thrower. And now that his health has been compromised to the point where he can't run with the football with the degree of regularity that he once did, the reality is, is that he's no longer the same. Ladies and gentlemen, we talk about, we used to talk about Cam Newton as the former league MVP in 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not even a top quarterback in his own division. That would be Drew Brees and Matt Ryan. Last night, Jameis Winston, loser of 12 consecutive road games. That Jameis Winston, a turnover waiting to happen. That Jameis Winston, who nobody believes is going to be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come next season. That Jameis Winston outplayed Cam Newton. Are we going to act like we don't know? We're going to act like we don't know. Cam Newton connected on a 44-yard pass play to one of his receivers last night. I got news for you. That ball was underthrown. I believe it was to Samuels. That ball was underthrown. I'm here to tell you something right now. Should have been a touchdown. He had the receiver beat. He had the cornerback beat. Chris Samuels had him beat. What happened? Cam Newton underthrew it. Overthrew Olsen. Overthrew McCaffrey. Overthrew Moore. Look, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. Got to show and prove, man. Cam Newton is not what he used to be. And even with what he used to be, he was never an elite thrower, an elite athlete, an elite talent, an elite player, but not an elite thrower. And in today's NFL, when you play in that quarterback position, you better know how to run like hell if you ain't an elite thrower. You got cats that are going to test him because they don't believe. They believe either his health is questionable where he won't be able to get the throws to you, or even if it was, they 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 challenge his accuracy. They just do. Talk about Carolina and their future prospects. First of all, we all know Tampa ain't going to the playoffs. But let's look at Carolina for a second. You think they're going to be better than New Orleans? Hell no. You think they're going to be better than Atlanta? We'll see. I don't know what the hell happened to Atlanta last week. You got Matt Ryan. You got Devontae Freeman back. You got Sanu and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley as your wideouts. What the hell is wrong with their offense scoring only 12 points against Minnesota? Beats me. But do I expect that to continue? No, I do not. So you got Atlanta in your own division with with New Orleans. Let's go to the NFC. They better than Seattle. They better than the LA Rams. How about Minnesota, Chicago, or Green Bay? How about Dallas or Philadelphia? Carolina ain't going on damn playoffs. And I feel bad for them. Keekley, monster game, 17 tackles last night, including that safety. I got it. Their defense, led by Ron Rivera, they always have a respectable defense. But when you look at Carolina right now, don't expect much from them. I'm telling you that right now. You're wasting your time. Because their offensive personnel ain't good enough, and Cam Newton ain't either. Boy, I hope I'm wrong. But I know what I'm seeing, and it's not that impressive. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, it's New Orleans, but we'll let that slide. Everyone's got football on the mind and tongue this time of the year, and you can't really blame them. No matter how you feel, this Sunday's Dolphins-Pats game is going to turn out. 
you got to pay attention. You got to watch it. You got to get yourself ready. The Dolphins are doing their best. And who better to eloquently describe Bill Belichick's defensive strategy than the quarterback of the Dolphins and Harvard graduate Ryan Fitzpatrick? I think he's got a pretty good track record with it. Um, I, you know, I, th- I think they're they're very physical in what they do. I think the experience in the secondary really pops out. Uh, I just think they're very uh, detailed and very good at what they do, know where their help is, all that stuff. So um, it's a very disciplined defense and a tough, aggressive defense as well. And, um, you know, they always present issues for you and they make you earn it. That's for sure. They make you earn earn your yards down the field and your touchdowns. Of course, you can listen to the game and also the Canes game right here at 560 The Joe WQAM. We'll have the pregames, the postgames, the games, the whole, pardon the pun, nine yards. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go home, drink some cheap beer, watch some football, maybe watch some Netflix, listen to some music, have a good South Florida time. Hopefully, you stay dry enough this weekend to get everything you want done. If not, plenty of podcasts to listen to from all the shows that you hear on this radio station, wherever you get your podcasts the radio.com app, or our website, wqam.com. You can download them for absolutely free. And if you have time to play around on Twitter, follow us at 560-WQAM and at Dan Day Radio. This is the best of the Joe Show. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.